It gives me the greatest pleasure to introduce you to Drs. Scott and Jan Berman. The title of their presentation is The Birds and the Bees. <laughs> Thank you. I think so. With all the, uh, hey, yeah. <laughs> um, they believe it is time to hone the basics of good health so we can enjoy the fruit of God's amazing design. During their presentation, the Drs. Berman will weave a story that not only shares Scott's personal testimony of becoming a Jewish believer, but also the miracle of his healing from advanced metastatic melanoma, did I pronounce it correct? They will review how wonderfully we are made by God and what we must do to care for this gift. Dr. Berman began the practice of chiropractic over 30 years ago. Together, they have raised three daughters. Dara? Dara. Dara. Um, Alyssa and Becca, and now have two sons-in-law. They've attended God Speak Calvary Chapel now for 10 years. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Scott and Jan Berman. Thank you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this, uh, this precious gathering of, uh, of your servants, Lord. And I pray, Lord, uh, that uh, your words would come forth this afternoon, that you would be glorified, Lord, that we would be encouraged, we would receive knowledge, Lord, and most of all, how to better love um, love each other. We just ask this in your precious son Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. I want to jump from Galatians, make a couple points. The lovely Linda did such a great job of uh, fruits of the Spirit. And I want to go to John, the book of John, the 15th chapter, verse 16. And I, I truly believe in here lies the secret to life, okay? We've established the fruit of the Spirit, and now we're moving forward. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. And I would say, please notice, so often I hear the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and I believe Paul's intention was just that, that I command you that you love one another. Those were Jesus' words, and John, excuse me, Paul, was saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then the joy, peace, long-suffering, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, self-control, are, is love being defined. That is our working it out. That's our, that's our call. Okay, but those are the aspects of love. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. I believe that to be the secret of life. And how about now the secret to bearing fruit? You know, two hours ago, this was on my tree. I've been waiting for it. (laughs) This is a beautiful orange. This is like a two-pound orange. And my tree is filled with them. And I don't sit out there and polish the fruit. I know that the fruit is a byproduct of how I've cared for the tree. Properly watered, properly pruned, the soil. That's how we get fruit. So while we know the fruit and we see how it's defined... Let me share with you what I believe is the secret of bearing fruit. And once again, we go to the book of John, chapter 
15, verse 4. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So for fruit, we must abide in the Father. So simple, but not easy. Yet he commands us, and we know that his law comes to fruition as the Spirit comes to fruition in us, as we love one another, we love God, and we love our neighbor. Speaking of a neighbor, back in... 1992, November, it was a dark, wintry night. And there was a knock at the door about 10 p.m. Who could that be? Jan and I looked at each other. Our kids were in bed. Went to the door. It was a Jewish neighbor of mine. Happened to also be a chiropractor. And he, I opened the door. I said, Mike. And he says, Scott, I want you to read this book. And I took the book from him. It was called Betrayed Stanley by Stanley Telchin. And the time I looked at that, I looked up, and he was gone. So I read the book. It's a story of a Jewish family whose daughter went away to college, got saved, became a Christian, and now what were they going to do about it? And when I read this book, I, I was at a crossroads in my life. I was a very successful chiropractor. I had a beautiful home. I had a beautiful, uh, beautiful cars, great vacations. I had a beautiful wife. I had three daughters. And yet, inside of me, I was anything but happy. I thought maybe I had to quit chiropractic, go to medical school. I was considering that. I was researching going to medical school. Maybe I need to be, do something more prestigious. I didn't know. But I read that book. I felt something inside of me changed. And previous to that, for the, about a year before that, there was a woman who was at our school, and every time she saw me, she said, Scott, I've got a couple of books for you. And there are books about Jewish people that love Jesus. And I said, Lori, I'm not that interested. And uh, she said, well, just take them. Well, anyway, read this book. I, um, now I started reading these hundreds of books. Six months later, I um, became a believer. And I share that with you. One, because you may have a spouse that is not a believer, as Jan did not. And for 14 years, we were to, uh, together, and she prayed for me. And two, you may have a Jewish neighbor. And so I encourage you to be a great, great neighbor. Okay? So the doctor of the future... Okay, use no medicine but educate his patients on the care of the human frame, diet, cause, and prevention of disease. Thomas Edison. He's got to be a pretty smart guy. I venture to say everyone here in the room still writes him a check. He's been dead for 85 years. That's a pretty good thing. But today, we're going to talk about the human frame. We're going to talk about diet, and we're going to talk about the cause and prevention of disease disease. We're going to start with diet. And here's the good news. The good news, I love Psalm 103, verse 5. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I take heart, and I repeat this psalm probably every day, to one of my patients as I encourage them to take a good look at what they're eating. Because the way God made us, most of how we feel is determined by our diet. And I'm convinced, God tells me so, that when you eat well and you eat properly, your youth will be renewed like the eagles. And when I read the word satisfied, I know that it has to taste good to you. And so all of us are so different, and so our diets may look different to all of us because we come from different cultures, different upbringings, and yet each one of us can be satisfied. 
And I take great heart in that. Because when it comes down to it, when we're talking about nutrition, we're only talking about the way God made it. You have three choices. You're either eating fats, proteins, or carbohydrates. Okay? And fats are not that complicated, but I would say it's probably the, most, the number one ingredient that's missing in most of our diets when it comes to good fats. And when you consider good fats, you really only need to consider, does this fat have a good balance of omega-3s and omega-6s? And when you're eating fried foods and refined foods, you are mostly getting horrible fats. Are you getting any fat that's man-made, like canola oil? It's not a good fat. Okay, a good fat, a great fat would be avocado. It would be coconut oil. It would be different types of nuts, walnuts. Okay, your um, cold water, uh, cold water fish, your um, salmon, your halibut. Okay, all represent great, great fats, and I highly recommend them. Secondly, protein. You really have to just ask yourself the question: How is that protein raised? Where does it come from? Because for a long time, we said, you know, you are what you eat. Now you have to ask yourself, you have to say, you are who what you eat eats. <laughs> it's, it's gotten more complicated. And so are you, are you eating something that's pasture-raised, the way it was made by God, like a cow to eat grass and to be, you know, a grass-fed uh, cow? Or are you, meet, you eating the cow that was... Um, grain-fed, like in corn, which most things, when it's farm-raised, it's fed corn. And an odd thing happens. That fat and that protein changes. The fat in the cow now no longer has a balance of omega-3s and omega-6s, but the omega-6s are way up, and the omega-3s are almost non-existent, so it changes. And so is it naturally grown, or is it unnaturally grown? Just like with chicken, with eggs, those are all choices uh, to make. And lastly, with carbohydrates. And carbohydrates are primarily your grains, your vegetables, and your fruits. Okay? And your grains, your vegetables, your fruits, you really have one big decision. Do you want to eat organic or not? And how uh, particular do you want to be? And the concept that I really want to introduce you today that maybe you're aware of, maybe not, but it's... um, is your glycemic index. And the glycemic index is the rate at which the sugar in the food that you're eating is being put into your body. And it's important because this only has to do with carbohydrates. Because the grains, the fruits, and the vegetables, all of them have a different rate in which the sugar goes into your system. And this sugar... And this rate is going to determine mostly how you feel. It's going to determine, um, you know, are you leaning towards um, degenerative disease? Are you, you know, the rate of, uh, with cancer and sugar, so many different things are determined by this glycemic index. And I highly recommend it's something that you take a close look at and know the foods that you're eating, where are they on the glycemic index scale? If you open up a refrigerator, the fruits that you would see are the, right here. They're low glycemic. The sugar goes into our bodies at the slowest rate. And the best fruits for you are your berries, your blackberries, your blueberries. It's all the berries. And, and your Grandy Smith apples, which are not sweet. They're tart. Okay, just the way it is. Low glycemic. And we're only talking about fruits today, because this is a fruit of the Spirit. I don't have four hours, I just have 45 minutes, okay? But the glycemic index is, the, is a great concept to be aware of in making choices, because it makes a huge determination in how you feel and how your body functions. Just remember, food is the building blocks to your body, okay? That's where all, all of it comes from, the building blocks of who you are is, is what you eat. And so that would be your low glycemic. Your moderate glycemic, it's mostly your stone fruit. For the most part, persimmons, pomegranates, also passion fruit. And I would recommend that you not eat these fruits past about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay? 
because this is a much, you don't have as much time left in the day for this sugar to be going into your system. This is what I recommend. You don't have to follow my recommendation. It's just what I, it's the way I live, okay? For the last 30 years, we've been, we eat primarily organic. We eat primarily grass food, um, grass-fed cattle, beef. And I will sit down today and have a great salad, and I won't worry about it one one bit of what's in it because I know that God takes care of it. Yet, also, yeah, I wouldn't eat it past about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Here, the high glycemic, I eat maybe one of these a week or two. Maybe two. It's hard for me to resist watermelon right now. So, but these are the high glycemic foods, and you know it. Those are the sweetest foods. The banana, the pineapple, the watermelon, the dates, the dates. The medjool date is the sweetest naturally grown food on the planet, and it's, they're absolutely uh, delicious. My entire family stops when my wife takes those medjool dates, usually around Christmas time, and she takes the pit out, and she puts it in a big hunk of Parmesan cheese, and then she wraps it in a, in a bacon, and tosses it into the oven, everybody comes to a halt once they start to smell that. When's it going to be ready? And it signals that Christmas time must be near. (laughs) All right. And this is, you know, all for why does it matter? And here's my question to you, because it might not matter to you. When I was diagnosed with cancer and went to USC and talked to the oncologist, he says, Scott, we need to talk. You know, are you, you know, do you like people? Do people like you? Do you want to live? Or are you looking for your exit papers right now? Because it's pretty much, you know, or how are we going to bow? He asked me, you know, what's your why? Why do you want to live? Seemed a little crazy at the time. And my wife No, but it was real. He wanted to know. And, and that's my question is why? Why? Why would you want to eat well? Why would you want to even consider these things? And so I ask you the question, and it's a serious question, is what do you consider your most important asset? Oh, your health. Your children. Okay. Jesus. So... Oh, so in the, why was I moving ahead? So in the, uh, oh, they was giving you the cheat notes. This is so sensitive. So uh, it is. I mean, you tell me if it's not health. How can you do the Lord's work? How can you um, come to church? You know, we were just in China. We're walking down the Great Wall, and it is not easy to get to this wall. It's not easy to to get up the steps, and I'm seeing these people that don't have their health, and I'm thinking, and it didn't matter what age they were, life gets so hard so quickly when you don't have your health. Okay? Um, and I, I, I'm living this. I just made this transition. And my heart goes out to the ones that have not made that transition, where when you have your health, you have a thousand dreams. When you don't, you have one. And it's about a week and a half ago, it finally sunk in. My second scan of no cancer, and I physiologically went bam. And all of a sudden, life was back on. All of a sudden, I had to get my rack on my car to take my paddleboard to the beach. And I was dreaming again. I had a thousand dreams. I could about list of things I wanted to do. Regrets that I had. Lying in bed, not knowing if I would get out of bed. And things I hadn't done that I wanted to do. And not to lose this opportunity. So if health is your greatest asset, here's the next question. Tell me what you base your health on. How do you know if you're healthy? And this may be the important question of the day. This is merely, maybe my message of why I'm here today, is what do you base your health on? Not maybe, I, I believe it is my message. 
uh, today. What? Any any hands or yes, Agnes. I love it. Yes, I love it. Hope. Yes. So when you get up in the morning, if you're hopeful, if you have a good attitude, standing upright is a good start. Okay, it's a good start. Your faith. Well, and and we know we're going to be in heaven. So one way or another, we're all going to be healed. Okay. I've surveyed hundreds and hundreds of people have asked this question. And the most common answers are, one, how I feel. If I feel good, I must be healthy. Would you agree? Okay. This is the most common. One is how I feel. Two is how I look. How you feel, how you look. You get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you feel pretty good, you look pretty good, I must be healthy. And three, people say, well, I'm eating well. It can mean anything to them because we all eat so differently, but I'm eating well. And four, I'm even doing some exercise. Is how most people determine if they're healthy. Okay, and here, would you agree? And actually, this is how we've been trained by our culture, by our society. Because if you don't feel well, we got a pill to take care of it. We have a potion to take care of it. Okay? And for myself, you know, many of you know, a year ago, around May 7th, I arrived home after riding my bike from, we did the whole, we rode from Seattle to San Diego. Now we broke it up into two parts, and this was the second leg. We rode the entire state. We rode from Eureka to San Diego. Okay, this took us 15 days. I was with my middle daughter, Alyssa. Many days we rode our and we had all our gear with us. We rode from state campground to state campground, and so how far we went was dictated of where's the next state campground. We would go 60 miles. We'd go 100 miles. Whatever we needed to do, we had our tent, our sleeping bag, and we had all our cooking gear with us. And so we'd go to the market. We'd buy food. We'd cook it up, and you know. This is the time of my life, happened with my daughter. She's getting married in the next month. So this is, you know, it changes after that, as you know. And uh, so this was our time um, together. But I came back, and I felt great. But I had just a little bump here, and I thought, you know what? Better get that checked out. Um, never bothered me, no pain. I felt great. People even said I looked good. You know, I just lost, you know, I looked, just done this long bike ride. I was just uh, happy with life. And it came back, you know, doctor, surgeon calling, oh, this is an advanced, you know, it's a metastatic melanoma. And going to see the oncologist, she couldn't even look at me because we, you know, we have to determine where it's spread. And you're going to go and, well, did it have to spread? Yes, it had to spread. It's too big and it's been there too long and um, so many uh, um, but I felt great, and people were telling me I looked great, so how could that possibly be? Okay, how could that be? So what is actually health? Let's take a look at that word. I want you to know what it means to be healthy, okay? That's my uh, heart's desire today, of to know what it means and what it takes. It's a state in which all your organs and tissues and cells are functioning, systems are functioning at 100%. It's not merely the absence of disease or symptoms, disease, sickness. Okay, it's not, it's the one key word there is function. And whether you look it up in the Webster's Dictionary, you go to the World Health Organization and you see what the meaning of health is, it doesn't talk about how you feel. It doesn't talk about how you look. It talks about function. So then I ask you, what controls function? In our bodies. I think I heard it. Yeah, the brain. The brain. Okay. The brain. 
And how does the brain do that? Hippocrates knew. How did he know, you know, 2,000 uh, years ago, 2,300, 2,400 years ago? How did he know that look well to the spine for the cause of disease? How did he know? We now know with microscopes and telescopes and how we're formed. And this is my little birds and the bees because a cell from your mother got together with a cell from your father, right? And those two cells made one cell and then they began to multiply. In the end of four days, the mother probably doesn't even know what's happening yet. Four days, there's a little line, the tiniest little line. And now the scientists know that's the brain and the spinal cord. It's all we are to start with. It has a name, the, no, the notochord. And from the bottom two-thirds, all of a sudden these little nubs start to grow out from, those, from that little line, the bottom two-thirds. And what would that be? It's the tw- no, it's, cl- it's the 23 pairs of spinal nerves. Now those little spinal nerves start growing and little nubs form at the end of them. And what would that be? I heard it. I think Ted said, uh, did Ted say organs? So it's the organs. How incredible how God made us, okay? So that, and that power that made us, okay? So now the body continues to multiply. And, and by the time you're born, you, you have 400,000 miles of blood vessels going throughout your body that not only would you bleed anywhere that you were cut, but the, all the organs and glands and the cells are getting um, blood because that's the nutrition for all the organs, okay, and all the bones and all the, and all the muscles. But what controls that the heart works properly? What controls all those, um, all those parts that it's all connected to is the, the nervous system, okay? And the heart, I mean, how wonderfully are we made? You could take any organ, and I'll start it with the heart. The heart, every time it beats, it beats about 2.4 ounces of blood. So that's about 1.3 gallons a minute that this little 10-ounce heart is beating. Every day, 1,900 gallons of blood. 1,900 gallons of blood. I I can barely carry carry one gallon. My heart is pumping every day 1,900 gallons, such that by the time you're my age, your heart has pumped about 40 million gallons. And I say that for this reason, that how... And the Bible tells us, what does it say? How fearfully and we're made. And I want you to get that. We are so fearfully and wonderfully made and how God made us. And once we're born, he doesn't disappear. That intelligence doesn't go away that made our body. It's still in absolute control. Okay. Such that I get a cut, takes care of itself. I have lunch. I've got 20 organs right now, a symphony, that are digesting my food, and I don't need to think about it one iota. <laughs> not one. And, you know, I would not be so brash as to say, you know, what have you made lately? You know, that compares to, nothing compares to any of this, that the, you know, that the Lord, you know, how fearfully and wonderfully we are made. And so we know that the nervous system controls and coordinates all the functions of the body, okay? The nervous system is king. You can get away without good diet for a long time. You can get away without exercising for a long time. But if I cut the nerves to the heart, how much longer is the heart going to work? It's done. It's no different than pulling the, the lamp out of the socket, out of the wall. That is the power source. It does not work. The sad story of Christopher Reeve, Superman, he fell off the horse. That was a big strapping dude. He fell in the worst possible spot right on his neck. And bam, 
His legs didn't work. His arms didn't. He didn't touch his arms or legs, but they no longer functioned. He was a quadriplegic because his nervous system was damaged. And he only moved that top vertebra about the width of my fingernail. So, so when we talk about the nervous system, <laughs> okay, it is the only system in, in the body that's fully encased in bone. It's how delicate it is. The brain, protected by the skull, and the spinal cord, protected by the, by the vertebra. Okay. And as a chiropractor, I spend my day doing one thing. And that is, I'm checking the spine to make sure that these vertebra are functioning properly. Okay? Because it can be because at the birth process, it can be car accidents, it can be falls, it can be traumas, it could be chemicals that we eat, it can be from our mind, Agnes, our thoughts. Okay? That's a beautiful orange, isn't it? And this is the next tree over I picked this morning. It's a grapefruit. And I just say the word grapefruit... I don't even have to smell it because I don't even have to have it with me. My mouth fills up with saliva. (laughs) And that is how powerful the mind is. Okay? So it plays a huge role. As a chiropractor, my role is I evaluate the spine and I look to see where there's interference. And those interferences, when vertebrae are out of alignment, that's called a subluxation. It's a bone or bones in the spine, out of alignment, putting pressure on the nerves and choking life to the organs. Because where do these nerves go? They go to organs. They also go to arms and the legs. They go everywhere. And the reason we only, we don't feel often in the disease process with cancer, heart disease, diabetes, Those diseases are what kill two-thirds of the people in our country. And they do not have necessarily symptoms until it's typically too late. Okay? The cancer, the heart disease. And yet, just like love, it's an action word. Okay? Health has to be an action word. Making good decisions every single day day, knowing that they have repercussions. Are we going to be on our toes and making great decisions, or are we going to be on our heels and be reacting to symptoms? Okay? I'm sorry. Don't pay attention. Jen's passing some stuff out. It's for later. I'm sorry for the distraction. But um, not my wife. She's not the distraction. The paper. (laughs) I got... (laughs) so most important part of the spine and Christopher Reeves found this out the hard way in the area we always check in our office is the neck the cervical spine God made us in a way that our spine ideally will be nice and straight from this vantage point but from the side that we have three curves Curve in our neck, curve in our mid-back, and a curve in our lower back. And ideally, those curves should be 60 degrees. And 60 degrees, and you'll see, and the spine is straight, and you'll see a spine that is not wearing. There's no wear and tear on it. And that spine looks beautiful at 40, 60, 80, 100 years old. There's no such thing as aging, like I'm old. That doesn't exist in God's economy, just like there's no such thing as cold and flu season. That's just marketing. It's just marketing. It has nothing to do with reality. Just wanting it to seem like it's normal. And you can look. Someone has a 60-degree arc in their neck. You're going to talk to them. You're going to see this is a person that's aging very gracefully. They're on the cruise ship when they're 80 and when they're 90 years old. They're having 
fun because their nervous system is working properly. All right? So that arc of life, when it's not there, it could take up to 15 years off of your life, according to the Spine Journal, which is American Medical Association uh, journal. The mortality of a person can be, be predicted by their posture. The more severe hunching forward of the mid-back or the neck, the patient died sooner. It's just, it's why our posture, you know, our mothers had it right to stand up tall. Okay? And it's the first thing I do in my office. Patient comes in, I take a really close look at their posture. First thing we do. And probably 30% of my practice, 35% of my practice, are kids under 10 years old. Because we're doing fine-tuning, just, you know, making sure that they stay healthy, that the little problems that are just corrected as we go instead of waiting, which is the way we've been trained in our, uh, in our country. And why, in 2013, there was over 4 billion prescriptions written, that's over 10 on average per person, trying to get rid of symptoms instead of looking to the cause of the problem. And here's a patient that had come in. They would come in with no symptoms. They were brought in by their mother, okay? They were asymptomatic, but they had a reversal of cervical curve. An MRI was taken, and you could see how the brainstem was um, compromised. Because when, you're, when you lose that curve, it pulls on the brainstem. It'll pull the uh, spinal cord about five to seven meters, and that's a lot of stress that it can affect anywhere in your, in your body. And that's my expertise, finding subluxations, correcting them. We'll find people on the right where they lose the curve. We'll put them through um, some care, and we'll get that curve restored. This was a 20-year-old, and this was a 60-year-old that, we recently, uh, that I recently worked with. And here is important, what we don't often think about, when it comes to our health. What a slow, gradual process. And here was a doctor at the University of Pennsylvania. This was in 1921. He was uh, studying cadavers. And he found that when vertebrae are out of alignment, not only do the vertebrae degenerate and decay, but you can follow the nerves to the organs, and the the organs will be diseased. And what's another word for a diseased organ? That would be a chronic disease which takes 20, 30, 40 years. We don't want to wait. We want to be proactive. We want to be proactive with our kids, our grandkids, and with ourselves. Not waiting, but being proactive. And that's why subluxations, the bone of alignment, and chronic disease that go hand in hand, and it makes my office or any chiropractor's office a very peculiar place because people are talking about, you know, a patient was trying to tell me how the doctor couldn't understand that he had to be taken off his blood pressure medicine because his blood pressure was now 120 over 80. It had come down from 160, 170, over 120. He'd been getting adjusted the last couple of months. I didn't know that would happen, but I did know that he had subluxations that were in the area of the nerves going to the heart. Okay? And all types of different heart conditions, and all the studies have been done at the medical schools showing when people get adjusted and their spine works better, their nervous system works better. The nervous system is the king because it controls all the other systems in your body. Okay, here's respiratory. How many people have allergies and asthma? As a chiropractor, we work on improving the nervous system so that these other organs can function better. And it's probably one of the things we hear the most with Gone with allergies, asthma disappearing, or people go through an entire winter with no colds where they used to get three, simply by removing subluxations. Same in the gastrointestinal system. Just system by system, it's just a principle that these organs are connected to the nervous system. When the nervous system, when those nerves can travel up the spinal cord to the brain, the body just functions better. And that's what I spend my day doing is just allowing the nervous system to function better. So here it comes to the immune system, and I know I'm alive today because of prayer. And I know many of you in this room 
that were praying for me. And my wife and I are um, grateful. And we are thankful. And, uh, and I know now, I have, you know, I'm here for a reason. I've got to share this message of health. And the one comment that I heard from the doctors, I probably heard from five different doctors that, you know, this is a miracle. How did this happen? <laughs> Just, uh, um, and it's almost surreal. I don't even relate to it so much anymore as it being me. It just, I don't, it's just not even uh, real. And yet, the one comment that I heard the most from the doctors was, there's something very special and unusual about your immune system, Scott. And I knew that my wife taking the time to buy organic foods when possible, to buy grass-fed meats when possible, to spend a little bit more on eggs, to be proactive with our health. Getting, you know, I'm a chiropractor, and I'm married to a chiropractor, and I work with a chiropractor. I don't have an excuse not to get adjusted three times a week. And I don't want an excuse. I just know that when it comes to the nervous system, when your nervous system functions properly, okay? Chiropractic is about function, and it's about performance. It's about improving functioning nervous system. It's about improving your performance in anything that you want to do. You want to serve God. You want to be evangelizing. You want to be playing sports. There's, I don't know that there's not a professional team that does not have a chiropractor on staff because chiropractic will perform will increase performance. But it's a funny thing, how you feel is so much of how you eat. So you might feel great, might not feel great, depending then still function, health comes down to function. And so the question becomes, can chiropractic cure everything? And the truth is, it cures nothing. <laughs> it doesn't cure anything. Because all the chiropractor is doing is removing stress from the nervous system. And that intelligence that God put that made our body, we know how wonderful that is, is the same intelligence that heals the body. You will never hear me take credit for anything around my office. Sometimes it comes out in a funny way, and then somebody will twist my words, and, uh, and then it's out on the street and I sound like an idiot. But I sound like I'm taking credit for something. I'm not taking credit. I'm just excited, okay, about the different things that, uh, that happen. So chiropractic is not a cure for disease. It's just a great proactive way to increase your function and increase your performance, okay? I'm going to have Jan come up. She wants to take you through an exercise, a special exercise because there's so many aspects of health and most everything you could do that's positive for your health could be negated by one simple um, problem, one simple fact. And please welcome my, uh, my lovely uh, wife. I've got to tell you, <laughs> I... Uh, In a nutshell, I mean, listening to these hymns, and I just have tears uh, sitting in the back of the room, that, uh, you know, one time during my year, I had about a seven-day period where I did not, not only did I not leave the house, leave the bed, leave my chair, but I had a fever that was, my temperature was out of control, and my, my, it would boomerang up to about 105 degrees, and then it would, and I would have, you know, I'd be, um, f- fever, then it would go all the way down to 96 and I would have chills. And somewhere in between there, I would be dumping tons of water. Sometimes the bed would be soaked two and three times a night. And Jan's up, uh, not only is she up and ch- changing the sheets and um, comforting me, you know, I get up to 105, she's got me cooling off in the shower. She's got me wrapped in ice, she's got me packed in ice, doing whatever to get my temperature to, uh, to come down. But through all this, when I could respond the least and just wondering when's this going to, you know, what's going to happen, I would hear Jan and she'd be singing hymns. 
And uh, she grew up in a Baptist church, and she knows so many beautiful hymns. <laughs> I, I'd be, uh, I got to make it to one more hymn. <laughs> but that was just so sweet and so uh, comforting. And uh, anyway, my lovely wife, Jan, and I got to say, on, uh, she really deserves a round of applause. She comes up on Saturday. The poor thing, actually Sunday, the poor thing will be married to me for 34 years. He deserves the applause for that. um, When I work with patients, I always like to give them homework. Because really, we all know that we need to drink lots of water, that we need to exercise, that we need to um, uh, eat well. All of these things we know, but we're just not really good, most of us, about doing that, okay, consistently. And when you find people that are consistent with the basics, those are the people that age, like my father who made it almost to 99 and was still doing 100 push-ups a day because he always did the basics. And he started the basics with his Bible every morning in his armchair and then his exercise. So I like to remind us because if you're like me, you're always ready for the next supplement that's going to give you this or that, and they're great, and I love supplements. But really, if we look to the basics, it will save us so much misery. And so we do know that what we eat um, is important, what we drink, exercise, getting rest, which a lot of us are really bad about, okay, really getting the required rest so that we can repair. Breath breathing deeply, but one of the biggest things out of all of those things, the basics, is what we think, okay? And there's, you know, it's the fruit of the Spirit. That takes practice, okay? We have to keep our thoughts captive to Christ. And one of the exercises I give to people is forgiveness. And the Bible is very clear about that, we're to forgive. And I think as believers, we believe that, but I'm not quite sure that we take it as an exercise in our daily lives, okay? And so the, I'm going to give you a card, and I encourage my patients, and most people, at least twice a day, I tell people when you put your head down on the pillow at night, just scan through the day and see where you annoyed, where you upset, and forgive it and let it go, just so that you start with a clean, you're not creating more backup. But then in this exercise, what you'll do is um, when you sit down to start to do it, you'll realize something will pop in your head, and that's a good place to start. We're going to peel the onion. And so you're going to first forgive yourself for allowing a negative situation to impact your health, okay? Then you're going to, the second step is to forgive the other person. That does not condone what was done but it's simply forgiving them, and it's effective even if they've already passed on. You can still forgive them. And then three, you're going to give the other person um, permission to forgive you. And it's not like you're going to call them up and ask them to forgive you. You're doing that really for you, okay? Because usually in most situations, we can find ourselves culpable to some degree. Maybe something was bad was done to us, but most often in most situations, we bear some responsibility. And then number four is see the good in the situation, okay? What did it teach you? What's the lesson? And then the last one is to be thankful. Be thankful for the lesson and wish the person well. And if I had but one thing to ask you to do uh, out of those essentials, it would be that we would give up that because we all know what bitterness and anger and all those things, they give you disease and unfortunately, Our subconscious mind, we can think it's gone, but it's cataloged in there. And it affects your autonomic nervous system. It's going to give you high blood pressure. It's going to give you an acid stomach. It doesn't go away. You may not be thinking about it consciously every day, but it's stored and it has an impact. So I'm going to pass these out. And if you would just humor me and a couple times a day, just take three or four minutes and start forgiving. Okay? All right. So we're winding down. 
um, Sandy Sourman here at church. Many of you know her. She's an audiologist, and uh, she gave me this article. It's about two weeks ago, and we talk a lot about the nervous system. There's a lot of things in, that overlap um, with chiropractic and with what she does as an audiologist. And one of the top audiologists had written this article in her journal about Meniere's disease and vertigo. And it was a story on a chiropractor who this audiologist knows who had successfully treated 530 consecutive cases of people with Meniere's disease. And he... he, he he goes on to you know, explain the anatomy and the physiology and why chiropractic is so successful with this. And it's the basics of chiropractic. Just remove the bone from the nerve, allow the body to function properly. It's not that complicated. And later on in the article, he says to the audiologist, he says, another question you might be asking is, if chiropractic is so wonderful and it works so well, for Meniere's disease and other conditions, why have I never heard of it before? And he says, the reason is the medical community typically has been and largely still is strongly prejudiced against chiropractic. Thus, medical doctors don't tell their patients about chiropractic and how it can help them. So sad, but true. Had a patient had just recently referred to the medical doctor, and the medical doctor, if you're seeing a chiropractor, I am, you're not going to be my patient. And she said, okay, fine, I won't be your patient. <laughs> but it's, um, and you wouldn't know this exists, and we are often, the chiropractors are often the only ones that are standing up to so much that is done that we just know is not right, and not for the health of, of people. And unfortunately, as chiropractors, we know we're dealing with health care, and so much of medicine is all about sick care, just having you wait, okay? Well, I don't want you to wait. And I put together, one, this is my email address. If you have any questions, any concerns, anything you want to ask me, anything you want to tell me, I will... Um, promise you I will respond before the year is over. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll respond bef- I will respond in short order. You are my family. Okay? I've never given this presentation. You're my family. I felt comfortable to come in here and really wanted to make a um, point. I will respond and help, you know, however I can. Okay? That's all the research, where it all came from. In the meantime, God bless you, and uh, thank you, and have a great rest of the day.